Hello and welcome back to the Life Vineyard Church podcast. Today we go deeper in the Inside Out series, exploring the inner depth found in a relationship with God and how a life of inner worship and surrender is essential to living with God at the centre of our lives. So today we're going to carry on the series um, Inside Out um, and this is part four. So um, we've been looking at how God transforms us from the inside out and um, We've looked over the last few weeks, although we've had a few little gaps in between, at how kind of we are transformed from the inside out. We kind of looked at that, Nicola and I think Joe over the two sites kind of looked at that, how we're transformed from the inside out. And then here, kind of Mike did an amazing job of looking at what it looks like to have inner surrender. How do we surrender to the Lord? And then Jeff, um, two weeks ago, kind of explored what worship is all about. And both of those talks I'd highly recommend just listening to again and you can hear them on the podcast and hopefully this week we'll get them all on the app as well so that you can um, really engage with those talks because this series again just feels really significant it was it was born out of what we see happening in parts of the world in places like Asbury where we're seeing like a revival and in young people under 25s especially and the sense of God doing something inside and rather than something external, it feels like it's a really deep work that the Lord is doing. And so we wanted, again, just to see what the Lord's doing and tap into that and just go with it. And so we've, we've written this series inside out. But today, what we want to do is build on those first three talks. And actually, the title of today's talk is Inner Depth. Um, God's desire for us is that we have... Um, our kind of that we are fully and completely devoted to him. You know, the best plan for our life is to be fully and completely devoted to Jesus. You know, when we surrender to Jesus, when we make him Lord of our life, we find ourselves asking different questions. Rather than how can I please myself, um, which is a question that the, the world loves to ask, we ask better questions. We ask like how can I live to please Jesus? How can I live deeply devoted life? How can my prayer be, Lord, have the deepest things, have the deepest things of my heart, of my my life, take me deeper into you? You know, we ask different questions when we're fully surrendered. You know, we can only have inner depth when we have inner surrender. And when we live out of place of, of truly inner worship. You know, we can only see the transformation in our external when we're transformed in our internal lives. So depth comes from a heart and attitude of surrender and worship. See, to mature in faith, we must allow God to do a deep and sometimes uncomfortable refining work in our inner life. It's like in John 15, when Jesus prayed, cut off everything in me that bears no fruit. You know, pruning is a real part of the Christian walk. And it's sometimes difficult. It's sometimes painful. You know, our faith is a journey. And it's a lifelong journey. And the person behind all that's going on, all of that transformation, is doing it out of perfect love. You know, he can be fully trusted. 
He knows the end and the beginning. He, he knows the different stages of our walk. And he all really is kind of trying, working out the best for our lives, even in the most difficult and painful of times. We don't always get the answers, as we all see, um, because being human means that we don't always understand everything that's going on in our life. So as we think today about inner depth, what that looks like, I just want to give credit to Caroline because, to be honest, a lot of what I'm sharing today was written by her. Um, Caroline is doing um, a spiritual direction course at the moment and she's just brought some really helpful content to what I'm going to share this morning. And so a lot of this is Caroline's thinking and insights and I've nicked it and tried to put some of my own stuff into it as well. So she's based this kind of content on a book called The Stages of Faith, and it's written by a lady called Janet Hagberg and a guy called Robert Gulick, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm just going to stick the first slide on. And basically, um, this Stages of Faith, there are six stages, and each stage naturally builds on the other. And we can't jump stages, it's a little bit like growing up. We, we can't go from being a toddler to retired. You know, we have to go through all of the different stages of life. And some stages come with deep challenges and invoke a lot of questions, and others we just sail through and it just seems like a joyous time. We can experience more than one stage at any point in time and we will move back and forth between different stages in different seasons of our life. And God wants us to allow him to take us through all of these stages for our own good, to deepen our love and dependence on him, and to deeply transform us from the inside out, to become more like Jesus, so that we can more fully express his beauty and his love to the world. You know, the more challenging stages come to all of us. Although very hard, they are invaluable. And there's a word here in this sentence, if. If we are prepared to surrender and worship in these hard times, to journey with God through them rather than trying to avoid them, that is where we find the transformation and that's where inner depth is built. See, trying to avoid these stages or running from them can lead us to being stuck in our faith journey and our relationship with God, and we don't grow and deepen in the way God intends us. Okay, so stage one. We all begin here. Recognition of God. So this is where we begin our journey of faith. I suppose we might say this is where we become a Christian and we recognize and see for the first time the mercy and forgiveness of God. And we invite Jesus to, to forgive us and to be the Lord of our lives. I became a Christian in 1995. It just dawned on me um, that in two years' time it will be 30 years. And that was kind of quite scary. Um, I, I was a brand new Christian. And what I mean by that is I had no background in, in the Christian faith. Never read the Bible. Don't think I'd ever prayed other than one prayer. God, if you real, prove it. Um, and so I was starting from ground zero in my faith. I had no idea how to read the Bible, how to pray, 
the basics or anything. But I had discovered the forgiveness, the love and mercy of Jesus. And that is stage one. We, we encounter Jesus for the first time. We recognize God for who he is. And then that moves us on to stage two, which is the life of discipleship. This stage is a time of learning about God and what it means to follow him. And we have a great sense of belonging. I remember those first few years of my faith. You know, I just loved being part of church. It was just brilliant. And, you know, I was meeting loads of people. It was just fantastic. And, um, and we, every week is a, a week to learn something new. Um, and, um, and my knowledge grew and my idea around prayer and, and kind of what it meant to have a Christian faith kind of grew in the midst of community. So, you know, that was stage two. And, and I'm, you know, maybe a lot of you can can resonate with those two stages. You know, you can remember when you came to know Jesus and you remember those first years of being discipled and coming to, to, to understand what it meant to be a Christian a little bit more. Or maybe you're here and, and you really don't know those things. You, you've never really stepped into a faith in Jesus. Well, hopefully as this talk goes on and as we go into ministry, this will be a chance for you today to give your life to Jesus for the first time. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You know, this is very much part of my journey, and probably many of us' journey of stage one and two. You know, we, I was blessed to have around me good friends who gave me milk, who helped me take those baby steps on my Christian walk of, of understanding who Jesus is, understanding what he's done for me, understanding the kind of basics of, of the scriptures and how to read it and all of those things that helped me to build some foundations in my Christian walk. And they just kept feeding me milk. Faith, in a way, was simple in those times. You know, it was, everything just seemed so exciting. God was just this very sort of amazing kind of discovery that um, I needed in my life. And um, so, it, you know, it's really a honeymoon period. That's the word that came to me. You know, like, it's a honeymoon period. Like, faith was just perfect. However, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church is actually a rebuke. Basically, he's saying, okay, you need milk at the start of your journey, but you can't stay on milk. You know, you can't kind of be on milk for all of your life. You know, you need to move on to solid food. And so um, we need to move to stage three of our faith journey. And um, stage three is a productive life. This is, I suppose, best described as uh, the doing stage. It is a very active phase where we are consciously engaged in working for God. As I mentioned, we um, might become, sorry, I haven't mentioned it, I'll mention it now. Uh, we might become aware, there was a bit where I actually repeated myself, but I cut it out this morning, so there we go. Um, I want, you know, we, we become aware of our gifts. 
we kind of may become aware of where we sit within our community of faith and, and begin to get an idea of our calling and the things that God has set apart for us to do. And so we put our shoulder to the plough and we get stuck in and we serve and maybe we lead and, um, and it's just that we feel productive and we see fruit. You know, I remember those first few years. I was a student. I became a Christian in my first year at uni. And by probably year three, I was wanting to share my faith across the university. And I was leading what they called a, a hall group. And, um, and I was feeling productive. Probably still didn't know what I was doing, but um, I felt productive. And then when we got married, um, Nicola and I, we ended up leading a lot of youth ministry, to, particularly to, to young people who didn't know the Lord. And that felt productive. It felt significant. You know, often in those, that stage, we take on maybe specific leadership roles or responsibilities. And, and as I said, we feel fruitful. But it's at this stage that often we start to find challenges come. We start to realize that we are the project. Yes, Jesus has stuff for us to do, but he is massively bothered about our inner life and ultimately about our outward transformation. So before I move on to stage four, let me make a few reflections on this first part of our faith journey. You know, it's easy to stay in stage three. And I wonder whether there are a lot of people in churches who are stuck in stage three. Because it can look like we've got everything sorted. You know, we can turn up to church, we can serve, we can lead, we can be productive. I, I don't want to be so harsh, but, but we can fall into the trap of it being religion. But it's fair to say that if we stay in stage three, we will never become all that Jesus intended us to be. It is the transformation from a productive life to the inner journey where growth and depth gets traction. But it's hard. If you like, stage four is where the temperature is turned up in our faith. So stage four is inward journey, or journey inward, whichever way you want to do it. And this stage is marked by deep and very personal journey in our inner life. It can often feel unsettling at first and yet lead to the great freedom for those who journey through it. Many of the certainties and securities of the previous stages begin to unravel and we are confronted by doubts and questions. Is God the real deal? Is it worth it, this whole faith thing? You know, we can experience pain in discovering that, that God is not who we previously thought he was. Or should I say, God doesn't always act the way we expect him to act. When perhaps we're expecting to feel blessed, but now things feel tough. And we wonder where God is in the midst of it all. So we come to the wall. And I feel this is what the Lord is setting us up for today. And this is probably where I'm going to finish my talk when I've done this part and we're going to go into ministry. Because I feel like there's lots of people, and we've had a couple of prophetic words, who are facing a wall, are in the midst of facing 
the wall. So let me explain what that is. The wall is so significant, if we just stick that diagram back up, um, the first one, if we can, um, that it's, it's not a stage, but it is treated separately in this kind of cycle of faith. Um, John on the cross called this kind of experience the dark night of the soul. Others refer to it as hitting the wall. You know, you just kind of hit a point where you think, can I continue? This is just too hard. Um, and the wall can be a great number of things. And um, it can be the death of a loved one. It can be ill health. It can be job loss. It can be divorce. It can be struggles with maybe a challenging child or struggling to conceive or an unfulfilled desire to get married or an unfilled desire around all manner of different things. It could be the betrayal of friend or friends. It can be so many things that is the wall that brings about questions. And I think in this stage, the wall, we find ourselves asking some questions that I think are probably common um, to anybody who's been a Christian for, uh, for years. Why am I having to go through this? Anybody ask that question? Why am I having to go through this? Um, why am I having to go, why can't you make it go away, God? Why can't, you know, you can just click your fingers and it can be gone. Why aren't you doing that? I thought you loved me. I thought you loved me. Anyone asking those questions? Or have asked them in the past? And I just want to say in this point, you know, we sometimes have a wrong idea about what Christian maturity looks like. Christian maturity is not the absence of doubt or questions. Actually, Christian maturity is embracing those doubts and questions and taking them to the Lord, as we'll see as we just press into this idea of the wall. I've had multiple um, wall experiences in my life where God has wanted to do a deep work in me. Um, and I'm sure there'll be many more in the years to come. But I want to tell you about one, probably the first wall I hit when I was a Christian. So um, I'd been a Christian for probably three years. Um, and it was 1998, so it was three years. Um, Nicola and I had been engaged for about two, two and a half years, and we were excited to get married in November the 14th, 1998. 25 years this November. And, um, and so I was excited, my family were excited, but my mum had been suffering from cancer for many years. And probably about a year before um, our wedding, um, she got secondary cancer in her bones. And um, slowly but surely, even though we had been praying, Lord, could you just keep her well enough to come to the wedding, it became clear a few weeks before that she was going to be too ill to attend the wedding. And um, so we came to our wedding day, and it was a bizarre, strange mix of joy in getting married and tears in the sadness and the grief of what was happening. And I'll never forget kind of um, giving my vows in tears and turning around with my dad and my sister both happy, smiling, and crying at the same time. It was a profoundly difficult moment and a profoundly joyous moment. So anyway, we went off to our reception and um, we had that meal and we did the speeches and, my, and, um, and then we got in a car and drove to the hospital. Nick in a wedding dress, me in my penguin suit 
And we walked through this oncology ward with people dying all around. And um, I kid you not, there was one, wasn't one person who didn't wish us the best for our life. I really hope you have a great life. Make the most of it. You know, make the most of life. And um, that was the last time I managed to speak to my mum. Because, um, yeah, five days later she died. And within probably 24 hours she was unable to speak just due to the morphine and the pain she was in. So what do you do with that? How do you process that as a Christian? You know, how do you go through um, both the pain, the questions, the grief, the sense of being robbed of that happy moment of your wedding day? So many emotions, so many questions. Being probably at that time the, you know, the only one who had a Christian faith that was kind of an active Christian faith in the family. So also having to be that witness and trying to be strong, trying to hold on to God. So many questions, so many doubts, so many painful moments. But yet, in that moment, there was one, one thing that has transformed us for the rest of our lives. And that is those people on that oncology ward saying, make the most of your life. And so whenever we face opportunities to follow where the Lord is leading, we just remember those words, make the most of your life. And so we have. We've tried not to be caught in fear or what the world might think is success. We've just wanted to make the most of our lives. So you see, you learn in those moments if you journey through them. It would have been easy to opt out and be angry with God, to become bitter and angry, but where's the fruit in that? And so when we face the war, we face so many questions, but we face so many opportunities for growth. It is confusing. It is really confusing. And I'm, you know, many of us may be in those moments now where we're just confused. Lord, this makes no sense. Why is this happening? So many unanswered questions. But can we choose to worship anyway? You know, the wall is a place of wrestling. It's a place of wrestling with God, of dying to self, of this kind of picture we have of life and how it's going to play out. You know, I imagined my mum playing with my children. Stuff like that. And moments where you have it and you go, goodness, you'd have loved these kids. So many unanswered questions. Do we just have to trust the Lord? Sometimes we have to take things off the throne of our hearts. You know, that stuff that we've always felt, even as a child, this is what my life will be like. We have to take them off the throne of our hearts and place them on the throne of God. Going through the wall is painful, challenging, disorientating, but it is transformative if we keep hold of Jesus' hand and walk with him through it. He does a deep inner work. We have a choice in these moments. We have a choice to either stick in or to spin out. To give in to the pain and become bitter 
and angry. Or to hold on to the Lord and be transformed. It doesn't mean we won't feel the pain. It doesn't mean we won't feel the discomfort, the confusion. But we'll be all right because the Lord will hold us. I mean, could I have chosen better songs myself for this morning than the ones we've just sung? And I, I'm honestly saying I had no idea what the songs would be. And I don't think those guys had any idea what I'd be speaking about. I didn't even write this talk. The Lord is doing something. You know, many people in Scripture hit the wall. We're not unique. Um, Job lost all his children, his wife, all of his possessions, and hung on to the Lord. Abraham hit many walls, infertility being one of them. Moses was called to step into the promised land and then never realized that dream. Spent 40 years walking in a desert. Imagine that. King David had to flee for his life for 13 years because Saul was jealous. We are not alone in our struggles. Jesus hit the ultimate dark night of the soul when he hung on the cross for all of us. And he cried out to the Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, we do begin to ask, where are you, God? Do you not care? Take it away. And this is a normal part of the wrestle. You know, I think one of the disservices we can do as churches and, and pastors is rob people of that wrestle. You know, it's not doubt. It's not a lack of faith. It's being human. It's being honest. Because it's in the wrestling that we find our most precious growth. And ultimately we find the most precious peace. It's good to admit when we don't understand it. That we're angry. Or deeply sad. We can't always understand what the Lord is doing. But we can trust him that he does know what he's doing. You know, I was reflecting on when I was reading through this talk and um, we've all lived through a moment of deep trauma. You know, the pandemic has been a time of shaking. You know, whether we realized it or not, if you like, we all live through a dark moment of the soul together. And, you know, it saddens me when I look around even this church and I talk to other pastors how many people in that shaking opted out of faith, opted out of church in the pain and in the discomfort and in the questions. And I just want to really honor you guys for sticking in, for being here, for not letting the difficulties and the challenge and the questions rob you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There are treasures in the darkness when we look for them. 
You know, in the darkness, I think when I look back, I think I began to discover my purpose more. I learned how to be with Jesus. I learned how to dig beneath the surface of my life. I learned to make better choices and not be ruled by what the world tells me is success, but actually hang on to the Lord. But it's hard, it's tough. And actually it makes up a significant part of our journey. These are not often fleeting moments. They can be long, prolonged times of battle. So I think I'm going to stop here. And I feel like the Lord wants to do some ministry. <laughs>